This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com slash view. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Enjoy the View. I'm Ben Hong, and today on our panel, we have Ari Clark. Hi. And Tessa. Hello. And our special guest for today's episode is Debbie O'Brien. Debbie, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. I'm Debbie O'Brien, and I am Head of Learning and Developer Advocate at Nux.js. Cool to be here. Awesome. So, Debbie, one of the first questions we like to ask our guests is, so in the world of development, what was your first framework? And then if it wasn't Vue, how did you get into the Vue ecosystem? Okay, so first framework was actually React. I learned React before I learned JavaScript, which is kind of totally ridiculous. So I learned it really badly and I suffered a lot. Yeah, I went from React then to Angular. And then I found Vue and realized the world is such a better place. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds consistent with a lot of people's stories. (laughs) Yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit about... So you're working at Nuxt right now. And so for those listening, what, what is Nuxt? So Nuxt is a meta framework on top of Vue.js. So basically, like you're still writing Vue. So anyone that's using Vue and not has heard of Nuxt, like basically you're still writing Vue code, but you can do server-side rendering code. So if you need your website, for example, better search engine optimization and hold off the press, like, you know, Jamstack, it's the all-in thing. So you can build static sites with Nuxt, which means... And you can build single page applications. So you can build anything with Nuxt. It's really, really cool. And it gives you like so many benefits as well, such as code splitting of roots. And like, you don't have to even like build a root or JS file because it just automatically is done for you. So it makes your life easier. Nuxt is just cool. I mean, I I could talk about Nuxt for two hours. (laughs) It's just brilliant. (laughs) So when you're talking about automatic like route creation, like what does that look like for someone who's never done Nuxt? Like how is that different than like normal view applications? So basically, like I wrote the, the course on ViewRooter for ViewSchool, right? So I know the, the pain of basically having to maintain that Rooter.js file, especially if you've got a lot of roots, right? So it's a lot of work and then you've got to code split them and you've got to maintain that. So in Nuxt, you, it doesn't exist. It just gets like done automatically for you. And all you've got to do is basically put a view file in your pages folder. So just by putting a view file in the pages folder, you now have roots automatically. It's as simple as that. Like So anyone can just build an application really simply, and you never, never, never have to build anything to do with the router because it's done for you. Are there any situations where you would need to somehow hijack that, like route guards, things like that? Does it just handle all that for you? So you have access to the router property, so you can go into your next config file and you can then basically use the router property and then, you know, do all those other things that you wanted to do to config it um, differently for like, say, child routes, extend the routes or Anything like that. Nice. Sorry, I've never used Nux. I know, terrible. Oh, you have so, to use so it. I'm super curious. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, sh- I really should at least do like a, a, ton- a fun side project with it, but that would require time. <laughs> the routing feature of Nux kind of reminds me of Rails. Do you know if that is a popular combination to have Rails and Nux? And if so, like, is it a little, does that make it a little bit more challenging to get the automatic routing working? So I've never worked with Rails, but I'm guessing Rails is like, if you're going to use it, it's more like, you know, backend API call it and let that be somewhere else. So leave the front end separated to the backend. So I don't know if you can do that with Rails or Rails is, as a, yeah, headless kind of backend. That's an interesting question. I never thought about actually using, I know people have used Vue with Rails, but how Nux would impose its sort of routing stuff on top of Rails. That is an interesting question. I know I, I'm not familiar with anyone who's done it. I have no intentions of playing around with it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we're talking about backend. So I'm thinking, you know, right now, like headless CMSs are kind of like all the rage. And so, you know, for those who don't know what headless CMSs are, basically, like imagine you just want to be able to enter content and like, you, you know, your WYSIWYG and form entries, but then it outputs into like a JSON file that then you can ingest with your, you know, either your view application or in this case, Nuxt. And so, do you have any experience with headless CMSs and Nuxt? Yeah, so I actually, unfortunately, had to start using the WordPress headless one because of a work project and it had to be in WordPress. (laughs) (laughs) So I started with the worst. 
it was possible. We made it work and, you know, it was great because it worked. But then when I started playing with, say, Netlify CMS and you go, look how easy this is compared to like what you have to go through with WordPress to get it working. <laughs> so there are so many cool CMSs out there and I haven't had time to play with them all because there's so many like in like next month. That's, that's basically what I'm going to be doing, testing them all out and having fun with CMSs. We definitely have to have you on for our headless CMS episode then because I'm also like trying to figure out what the great solution would be for people because there's just, to your point, there's so many out there. I think Storyblock is the most popular one for Nux that I've heard of. I think that one's designed specifically for it. Yeah, Ben just wants you on for selfish reasons because he's trying to solve this problem. (laughs) (laughs) Specifically for our website. (laughs) It depends on the problem you're trying to find a solution for depends on what you need and what you want and how much like how much or how little you want that CMS to be able to do. I feel like WYSIWYG is a term that we don't hear that much nowadays, but I don't know if it's because like now I'm running in more developer circles, so I'm like more biased to not see that kind of stuff. But can someone go a bit further into what that means for people who don't know? I haven't heard that term in about 10 years either, to be honest. So yeah. <laughs> do we even use it anymore? I don't know. Yeah, it's basically so like old. Yeah, Ben, you go, you go. <laughs> it's a Britney Spears song, right, Ben? <laughs> Hardy, har, har, har. Tapping in Ari for this one. What does WYSIWYG mean to you, Ari? Uh, what you see is what you get. So basically, just like a basic text editor that you would find in consumer grade applications like Word, but with less features. Yeah, I'll say I do agree with Tessa that it's not used as much in developer circles because nowadays everyone just tries to do everything in Markdown. I worked in news for a little while and that would have never flown. Like telling like art, like reporters to write in Markdown, like mm-mm, never happening. So I know... I, with, even, I don't want to work in Markdown. <laughs> I think platforms like Notion and a lot of others are really starting to get into like using Markdown like syntax, but you still get that automatic conversion. So it is a little bit of a WYSIWYG if you think about it. It's just it starts to incorporate Markdown flavors, which a lot of not only developers, but other people are starting to get used to. But I think that's probably like the modern WYSIWYG. It's like Markdown, like automatically rendered Markdown is probably the best way. I don't know. There's probably, I don't know an acronym for it. <laughs> what you see is what you Markdown. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. <laughs> Wizzy, Wiz, Wizzy, Wizim? I don't know. <laughs> but I think maybe we shouldn't try too hard on that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Nice. I feel like my idea of WYSIWYG is so dated. Like I still think of like GeoCities or Tripod or... Angel uh, Fire. I didn't know you were old enough, Tessa, to know GeoCities. What, what's, what's that app from Adobe? Oh yeah, I was, this was all before I was born, you know, just history books. But, uh... <laughs> Speaking of, of Markdown, um, working with Markdown in Nux was always a pain, right? It wasn't really the easiest and, you know. So basically, we have a solution to the problem, which is coming very soon. Um, Like very, very soon. I've been playing around with it today. It's not released yet, but it is amazing. How can I say it? It just mixes Nux with Markdown, where hot module replacement is going to be faster than Viewpress. Oh, that is exciting. (gasps) Encroaching on the view press territory. <laughs> I know. Hey, as long as it solves the problem, <laughs> exactly. I will recommend it. I am yeah. forget brand loyalty. Competition is good. Yeah, well, everybody wins. <laughs> Before, like in my Nux applications, to write like documentation, I would put like say um, view press inside my Nux stuff, and then like you know write all my markdown and stuff, and then have that. And now we're not going to need to. You can still kind of you want because view press is fantastic, right? But. Now you don't need to put Upress into your Nook stuff because now you're going to have this new module that's going to do all this amazing cool stuff. On uh, yeah, it's it's so great. wait. So you can also include like view components inside of your Markdown, right? Like is that <laughs> yeah. that part of it? Okay, because that's one yeah. of my what? Yeah. yeah, that's my favorite thing about Viewpress, which I think was its innovative thing was to include view components inside of Markdown, and then it just renders as you expect. So yeah. if Nux, okay, so Devi, when that's released, I would love to know more. Yeah, and it doesn't need to go to your webpack, right? So it doesn't need to do that whole yeah. So it's it's just going to be so much faster. It's going to be, it's, oh, it's amazing. Debbie, you oh, better yeah. be careful. It sounds like Ben's going to have you on every week. <laughs> <laughs> My master plan. That is very cool. And you can still work with your CMS. You can still work with Netlify CMS using this module. And you know what I mean? It's just fantastic. 
So yeah, I can't wait till it's actually released and everyone gets to play with it. Oh, wow. That sounds like it opens up a lot of possibilities that maybe ViewPress itself couldn't really address some of those cases, but by providing it with Next, like possibilities are endless. (laughs) (laughs) Next with everything. That's it. End of story. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently now it does. (laughs) So I was wondering if you could go into cases where you think maybe Next would not be a good fit for a project. Like I feel like I've at least personally, I've read a bit about when you would want to use Nuxt, but I'm also curious about maybe when you don't need Nuxt. You never need Nuxt. You never need anything, really. You never need a framework. You use it because it, it's better for you. It's a better tool for your, for your website to help development, right? So, I mean, you could basically ask, you know, what, like, I don't know, what site can, can you build with Nuxt and what site can you not build with Nuxt? You can build everything with Nuxt. Um, you don't need to build anything with Nuxt. So, it's a choice, right? If you're using Vue and you like using Vue, then Nux makes sense because it gives you all those extra added benefits, like setting up a PAWA, a progressive web app, in like three minutes, if even three minutes, you now have a progressive web app. I mean, that's just cool, right? Whereas you can't do that with other frameworks, for example, Angular, I think. So yeah, I don't know if, if I don't know if I'd say there's never a good case that you shouldn't use Nux. It's just like a choice for you. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think, Debbie, actually, you addressed this a little bit earlier, but like to your point, Markdown was kind of hard. It wasn't as intuitive. So I think prior to this, I think that's why a lot of people were using things like ViewPress, where it was sort of like right out the box it was working. So with, you know, Debbie's little announcement, I'm hoping when this comes out, it might be true that, yeah, I'm trying, I don't know if there's UCS I can think of where Nux wouldn't be, like, wouldn't fit in in that scenario. And the same with like also that's what's going to be released soon. I've been talking about it at a lot of conferences. So it's been, we've been working on it for quite a while, which is the full static module, right? Once that's released, that just makes it even better in the whole Jamstack uh, side of things because the whole, for example, like statically rendering your site. So basically Jamstack, what they call it, right? So JavaScript, APIs and markup is basically like making a static site. So when you make a static site, you're basically pre-rendering it at build time. And then you're just like sending it to a CDN. You can send it to say like uh, Netlify, for example, to a static hosting. You don't have to have a server. I mean, there's always a server somewhere, right? It's serverless, but there's, there's, there's still a server. But there's no real server because you're not paying for the server. So you've got free hosting. And it's also then quicker and easier like to get to the browser because it's just going to that CDN. It's not going up to get the um, API to be to go on the server to basically get that page, send it back to the browser and then have to do all, all the work that it normally has to do on server-side rendering or or on single page application. So the static sites are pre-rendered. You do it build time, you send up to the CDN and it's just much faster, much safer. There's less, less hacking, for example. Um, yeah, so basically before how Nuxt worked was that every time you, when you first loaded the page, it was calling that static, that static build, right? But every time you change the route or every time you refresh the page, it actually calls the API. So it's kind of like it's going to like server rendered in a way, right? So it's static, but it's not really static. And that's how the difference is between other static site generators is that Nuxt was never really fully static. It was kind of like a static-ish. So now with this module, um, it will pre-render everything. It will save everything into a payload.json. And then basically what happens is instead of calling, going into the server to get all the API, it just goes to the payload and gets everything. I played around with it and I have it on my site, like working on, on one page, it's, it's using the static module and the other page it's not. And the difference is, is that basically you're calling the payload, which means you've got better offline support because you don't need the internet connection to call that API, right? Because you've already got it there. So it's, it's, it's cool. So it sounds like some of the benefits then is primarily performance, right? By going from partially static to fully static. Performance and cost, right? So you're not paying for anywhere to host this, which... Like as developers, I don't like paying for anything. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but also like big companies who are who have massive sites, you know, there's a lot of times when you don't need to be paying all those costs to like say your Azure or your Microsoft in or your cloud, ho- like all the hostings that you're paying for. And now you can just like put on it on a free static hosting. So, I mean, the cost, the performance and the better offline support as well, which is like, you know, really, really beneficial. Very cool. This is kind of a weird question, but I was wondering if you could expand on this idea of not having to pay for hosting 
because it's static. Like I remember you mentioned this in your talk at ViewConf as well. And I, I sort of understand it in abstract or like, for example, if I was going to host my page on GitLab or GitHub or something, but I feel like that code still has to live somewhere, right? So what do you mean by not having to host it? So it's actually funny because last month I literally like closed down my hosting service that I was paying for every single year, which I've had for about 10 years. And that's where all my WordPress websites were on that I used to build all those years. And, you know, I was Mm -hmm. paying for that every month. And I'm like, why am I paying for something that I'm now not using anymore? And I killed all the WordPress websites, which is quite fun. (laughs) And then basically, yeah, everything is now Nuxtified and everything is either, well, all mine is in Netlify. So it's all, it's all hosted there. So I don't need to pay any like hosting service anymore. And I don't know if you ever worked in companies where the servers were in the offices. Because like I did, and the server was there, and you're like, that's where your website <laughs> is. If the internet goes off, you know, your website is down, right? It's just, no. Yeah, I will say I can echo Debbie's. Yeah, I would say we're really fortunate these days. I think to test this point, we do have things like GitHub, GitLab, and like Netlify that basically have free tiers and that are very reasonable. Like unless you're hitting stupid amounts of traffic, which at that point, in my opinion, you should be pay- probably paying for that anyways. But yeah, I think that's accessible. Whereas back then, like, you know, outside of the GeoCities, Angel Fire stuff, like you really did have, like, I definitely paid for WordPress hosting and all that stuff. And it's not cheap. I think it was like, hun- like a couple hundred dollars, I think, a year, depending on what you wanted. I feel like also there was like a high likelihood where you would have to learn like PHP or something. And that stuff just went over my head at the time. Yeah, you probably didn't have to learn it, but you have to kind of like dig, dive into it and like, you know, mess around with things and try not to break things. <laughs> yeah, I definitely try to avoid WordPress work as much as humanly possible. Yeah, I spent about 10 years working with WordPress, unfortunately. Um, it paid many bills. It was a lifesaver for me. So mm-hmm. I would say nothing bad against it in the sense of <laughs> thank God for WordPress because I would not have survived. But I'm so glad to now say I do not need to use WordPress ever again. Well, okay. I, actually, That's actually great to know. So the fact that you have so much experience with WordPress, right? they had their new headless CMS, as we were sort of talking about. That mm-hmm. like sort of allows you to use the editor of WordPress, which a lot of people basically know and love. And then obviously let us like the developers use stuff like Vue with the backend. So in your experience, was it like I feel like some of the blog posts made it sound really easy to set up the WordPress headless CMS? Like, did you find that simple? I'd love to see that blog post because either it's <laughs> blog post or I did it all the time. <laughs> or maybe the marketing, right? They're like, oh, you know, like. And for those who don't know, WordPress is like big thing that they popularized was like get set up in like five minutes. It's like you can install C- like your WordPress CMS in five minutes or less than five minutes. So I feel like they tried to do something similar to like <laughs> the headless CMS, but maybe yeah, apparently Debbie <laughs> might have a case in point otherwise. Yeah, I don't know. We we like did it in, in work and without probably looking into the documentation too much and stuff. And and it was just there was a lot of use cases where it wasn't doing what we wanted it to do. Maybe we were trying to do too much. I don't know. So it was kind of like just awkward, I guess. It wasn't like what I would have expected from WordPress being that super easy, nice to work with, you know. And you can't preview it either, which is like, you know, not the same, right? So either again, either we did it completely wrong and there's another headless WordPress out there that's much better than what I was using. (laughs) But we couldn't preview. And yeah, you could like, you know, the text and stuff like that was the same. But in general... Like adding the pages, there was a there's a lot of work. I don't know. I found the Netlify CMS just so much easier, but it's not as you can't do as many things as with it. Like so, with WordPress, mm-hmm. we could create the menu dynamically in the actual WordPress content, and then anyone could add a new page on that page, like using a dynamic page. And Nooks would then would then work, right? So you can do a lot more, but we probably did too much and made it complicated. Yeah. So. You know, if you if you had trouble, I totally I totally believe you over like I think the blog post maybe just got a like the data layer set up to your point. I totally forgot that one of the great things about WordPress when you're using like the native WordPress is like previewing and stuff is really easy. So I imagine that piece to your point of like connecting that and making sure everything renders correctly is either impossible or just super difficult. Yeah, just a footnote to anyone to my like it's simple quote unquote. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you have just to host one... it as well, right? So you still need that server then to put that WordPress API up somewhere, and you got to figure all that part out as well. Yeah, that's why I that's because I like personally like I've been looking into headless CMSs for my blog, 
And I remember really liking when WordPress used to power my blog, but now that you know Jamstack and I want to customize my front end, like the uh, the thought of ha- paying for a hosting service to have my WordPress server just to host my content just seems <laughs> absurd these days. But on I the just want everything for free. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a great way to put off actually having to write your blog because there's so I many things to take care of first. <laughs> exactly. I and then it's legit. <laughs> it's just well, so been, much I, work. I've been doing all my blog in, in dev too, right? Because of, I don't know if you've seen the latest article um, that we published in Nuxt, which is how to build a dev two clone with Nuxt, right? Oh, so, nice. Yeah, it's really, really cool. And there's a really nice tutorial and all the code wrapper was there and you can like, like dive in. So I basically then like copied it completely and then like kind of just did it up and threw away all the stuff I didn't want. And then basically just on my blog post, have it all going to the Dev2 API and getting all those posts. So that, that's kind of like really cool. But now I'm going to have to play around with the content module, right? The new one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to start writing loads more blog posts. Yeah, I'll definitely happy to be a beta tester for that because I'm still figuring out my own blogging platform. So love to learn more about what Next does with that. I don't think we're ever happy. I've never seen someone happy with their blogging platform or saying like, yeah, I'm really happy with my blog. It looks great. My website's fantastic. I, I think we all just, I don't know, we're, we're, nothing's ever been good enough. So maybe the next one will be the one. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I, have I don't have either. It's because I just, I hear everyone complain about it and I'm just like, so there's no good solution. So I just won't do it. It's fine. The new Nuxt content module. This okay. is the solution. <laughs> <laughs> By the time this is out, it'll probably be already out. Yeah. I reckon you'll have to look for it and find it and play around with it. And then we'll like come back and then have a talk about whether it was better than WordPress or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A headless CMS episode is definitely going to be in the works. So we'll keep in touch regarding that. So something you mentioned earlier, which I'm curious of, you said you've been giving a lot of talks, which to me is like, you know, co- conference season is like <laughs> down the tubes. So tell, like, what do you mean you've been giving all these talks? It, it's been pretty crazy. Um, I've never been so busy with conference talks. Like it's unbelievable. And I kind of thought the same, right? Because like literally UConn US was the last proper in conference that we did. And when yeah. we came back from that, I had seven conferences canceled which is really, really hard. Three were to America. I was meant to go to Switzerland. I was meant to go to Belgium. I was going to go to Greece. I was going to have like the most amazing year. (laughs) And and then it was like, I went from from all that to nothing. Okay, but you live on an island. So I'm having a hard time feeling that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but we have to be outside for 45 days. Yes. Now we, we, we will go out in the day after tomorrow. I'm allowed to go out between six in the morning and 10 in the morning. No, six and, yeah, six and 10. And I think it's eight to 11 or eight to 12. I'm not sure. I have to like read the rules. They are the, that's the law now. That's what we're allowed to do to go out for, for a run or a walk during those times only. And that's like the biggest freedom that I can have. And it's like, I cannot wait. It's like, Amazing. So yes, I live on an island, but we've been stuck inside. Yeah, that's actually way worse than my situation. (laughs) (laughs) I've been able to go on walks the whole time. Yeah, I know. We've been (laughs) as far as the supermarket and and alone. You're not allowed to walk together and you're not allowed in the car together with somebody. And you're not allowed to go to the Um, supermarket together with somebody. So it's very, very, very strict. And you can only go to the nearest supermarket and you must have like a receipt when you're walking back in case you get stopped. And um, Wow. So I've been out three times in six weeks. Okay, yeah. That, I can understand why you're feeling a little cooped up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so yeah, with conferences, I just got all these, I don't know, people just started contacting me and maybe it's because I started working with Nuxt, right? And then they just all got in contact with me and asked me when I do a meetup, what I do like conference. So the first meetup I did was the um, View Amsterdam virtual meetup, which was, I was really worried about because that's the first online one I've ever done. And I was like, what if something goes wrong? And I use uh, keynotes. I don't know if you use keynotes for your presentations. And I really like keynotes, but it's also really annoying mm-hmm. because it takes over all your screens, right? Yep. And I don't know, maybe there's another way of doing it, but I can't find the way of like basically saying, I just want one screen where keynotes is not going to take over, but it takes over everything. So that meant I couldn't see what was going on. And I was like, what happens if like, I don't know, I lose connection or something, right? 
So I set up my iPad in front, connected to the chat as if I was watching the talk and then my like presentation going on. Yeah. And luckily I did because in the middle of the talk, I lost internet. <laughs> oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite funny because it was right at the time. It was a talk where I used Taekwondo to explain static sites. And it was right at the time where there's a flying kick across the screen and then maybe the internet is gone. Hang, oh, hang on. No. I wonder, I, I feel like, okay, I'll have to look this up later. I would love to hear Taekwondo used to explain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm intrigued. <laughs> no, it, was, it wasn't really fun because the thing was I could, like, I wasn't really paying attention to the iPad because I was trying to look at the screen and, you know, pretend I was looking at people, right? And then like I kind of saw on the iPad, it was going around in circles and I kind of went, oh, that, um, I'm like, hmm. Has I lost internet? What's happened here? So I just kind of kept talking for about a minute and a half just in case. And then I went, oh, I really think something's gone wrong. And then I looked at my WhatsApp and Josh Jarrett said, so he'd been contacting me saying, Debbie, you okay? And I was like, oh my God, I have no internet. So yeah, I had to connect with my phone, connect back up and then do the talk through my mobile phone. Wow. Data. wow. Mm. That's dedication though. Yeah. <laughs> Way to adapt. So that was the first one. And yeah, it was, it was a, a strange experience, but it was actually the best experience you could ever have because then I had no fears of losing internet because I've already done it, right? Nice. <laughs> so the next one I did was in Lithuania, a conference in Bilstaff. And this was really fun. So we did it through Zoom. And this, it was nice because you could see people, right? And I like seeing people because you could see the expressions when you're giving your talk and it felt like more like you were in a room with people. So I really, really enjoyed that. And then we did like a, how do you call it? A escape room through Zoom. <laughs> what? Yeah, it was so much fun. It was the best fun I've ever had on a, like a Zoom thing. So we basically set out like people into different breakout rooms and we had different people as the hosts and we had to like, you know, go through the presentations. We shared the slides with this, like, you know, these are your clues. And then as a team, they had to basically like come up with all these, you know, answers up to these questions or these riddles or whatever. And the first team back into the main room were the winners. It was so much fun. That's actually pretty innovative. <laughs> no, now I want to do that. Yeah. No. Is there a company that does this for people? The person that like invented this, it was for her five-year-old child. And like, we we're like, oh my God, don't say that. It took us hours to get it. <laughs> and then, yeah, my first conference was Magnolia JS which was, it was a little bit different. We were asked to record the talk beforehand and send it to them, which I was kind of like going, that's not really a nice experience. I kind of like want to speak in front of people. Although there's no people and they're virtual, you kind of feel like recording, giving a recorded talk isn't, and I was kind of a bit uncomfortable about it. And they, then they kind of like said, you know, actually, no, we'll allow it because they're afraid of people losing internet. And I kind of went, well, I've lost internet in their meetup. So I'm going to go with the sending you the talks. I was worried. But actually, it was the best experience ever. So basically, like my talk was, was on my computer, right? I was listening to myself talk, which is like, quite, quite funny. And I didn't even know I said that. I was like, oh my God, did I say that? But while my talk was on and I was watching it while everyone else was watching it, I was in the Discord channel chatting with everyone. So they would say like, oh, can Nux do that? And I was like, just you wait two minutes time and you're going to hear the answer. And it felt like it was so dynamic. We had so much chats. I had so much fun. Like when the Taekwondo kick came out and they were like, oh my God, there's a kick. And I was like, <laughs> next one, it's going to get even better. And it was, it was a really nice experience because we were actually chatting to people, kind of like the experience you'd have if you were all sitting there watching it together, you know? And I think that was quite nice. I kind of go with that version of giving a talk in the future more than actually just giving a talk in front of a Zoom camera, if that makes sense. Very cool. I think as well, like the whole... Like, why are we doing all this virtual stuff? It's, it's kind of like we've turned into a virtual world and everyone's just gone virtual. Virtual meetups are everywhere. There's Zoom links everywhere. You can watch so many talks online like for the next six months without, you know, doing anything else, right? But what we're really missing is that kind of like chatting with people that, you know, even yeah. if it's just in a chat system or if it's like on, on Zoom, like through the video, we're missing that and we're not getting. And one thing we found as well, because we did, like propose the Zoom room where everyone could go to a room and have a chat with me, right? And there was like, what was there, 2,700 attendees. And very few people went into any of the rooms. Yet when we opened the Discord channel, it was like crazy. It was like, like, mm -hmm. oh my God, you couldn't type fast enough. 
<laughs> and I think people are still very, very afraid of this virtual world. I think they're not ready for it yet. And when they do come into a Zoom call, they turn off their video and they just kind of like sit there waiting for something to happen and maybe mm-hmm. like, you know, go into the chat. And I've been trying to like figure out, you know, how can we make this better? And I hosted my own meetup here as well in Mallorca and we had the same issue. And it was like, so in every country I've done a meetup, we've had the same problem. So it's not a, you know, culture specific thing. And I kind of like thought about it that perhaps it's, you know, you only give a talk on the stage. And if you then said to all the attendees, would you like to ask a question? And then you said, come on up to the stage and ask the question to the speaker. <laughs> Who would come onto the stage? Only speakers, right? <laughs> and I think basically what we're doing in Zoom, we as speakers are so used to having the camera on us, having the spotlight on us, having people looking at us. We're kind of like, we're okay with it. Whereas other people are not there yet. And it's going to take time. I have to say like my, the, my favorite talk I ever gave in person was the one I didn't realize I was giving till like a few hours before. (laughs) And so I kind of had to wing it. So it ended up being a very interactive talk because I didn't have everything memorized and prepared. So I was like, interruptions, welcome. We can talk about whatever, whatever you're struggling with. Cause I was like, oh God, this is going to be a mess. But it ended up being my favorite version of that talk because of that connection with people and the fact that it felt more like a conversation than me talking at people. So I definitely understand like the desire to, to find that on the internet. And I'll be really curious if anyone manages to really capture that. Because yeah, I hate turning on my camera for stuff. Like yeah. we do all hands meetings at my company and like they've started asking us to turn on the cameras. I'm just like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> that means I have to brush my hair. Come on now. <laughs> so yeah. I guess, yeah, it's weird. I think people are now more shy on the internet because we're so used to being anonymous on the internet that putting a face to ourselves seems unnatural. No, I didn't think about that one. I said, you know, we're so used to being anonymous on the, like in the internet. Some people, their, their Twitter pic is nothing like their picture or their name is, their handler is not like, so then all of a sudden they have to be, you know. But that's why I thought that in my local meetup group where the people of Mallorca who all know each other that they would just like put their camera on. And I was saying their names going, you know, I'm not going to say a name, but hey, John, for example, like getting no reaction. And I was kind of like going, okay, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot recently because it's like, it feels kind of exhausting to have the camera on all the time. And I feel like a lot of people when they've been making this transition from like in person to remote are like, oh, it's just the same as if you're in a meeting. But it's really not. Because like, for example, at my company, a lot of times we'll have like the grid view and so you can kind of see everybody all the time at the same time, like at a glance, where in real life, you can really only see so many people at once. But now it's like, you never know whose eyes are on you. Like maybe you have a weird like itch on your face, you want to scratch or something. And it's just, you're constantly on. And I feel like even if, if a chat app or something hid your own camera, you would still be aware probably that you're on. And I feel like that can get overwhelming if you do it like all day. Yeah, I read a, uh, I don't know what I read, a blog post or an article or something that basically said what you said, that as well, like we're focusing so much more and because we're looking at cameras, I mean, I'm looking at three people at once, whereas normally we wouldn't be looking that closely at three people, right? You'd be looking at one and it takes a lot more of your, like your mental ability to do that. So it tires you even more. And, And that's why they actually said that you should sometimes just turn your head away and ha- have it on there. So like the conversation's going on and the people are there, but you're not like looking at them face to face and you have that side view. So you can kind of like still see what's going on, look over. And because when you're in, in the workplace, you wouldn't be face to face with someone, right? You have them be sat by your side and you're like, hey, how's it going? Yes, yeah, so what do you do? And I don't know, maybe we should try that more often. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, some of my coworkers do that. And I can see that working for video chat. I was thinking that earlier today because I was watching Making the Cut and I remembered because they have sometimes, you know, shows will have like a, a scene where the hosts are talking to you, like directly to you. But for some reason, they choose an angle that's like where they're looking away. And I never understand why they do that for that specific scenario. It strikes me as so weird. And then YouTubers will do it. And I think they're going for the like professional documentary kind of look. But unless they're talking to an interviewer who is like off screen or something, then that angle to me just seems so odd. Like, specific to television. Yeah. And the side view is not my good view either. So, you know, it's not my good view. <laughs> well, it's my good view. So I think I'm going to try that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 
No, but in work, I like to put the camera on all the time when we have meetings, probably because we don't have a lot of meetings. So then, you know, you're only having like maybe an hour a day at most, right? Two hours, maybe. <laughs> but it's nice. I, I like to see people. I think it's really important for me. If we didn't turn the camera on, I'd feel very like, you know, I don't know, like there's nothing else there. So I really like having the camera on. I do feel I'm like one curious. thing that... Go ahead, go ahead that's kind of missing from these online experiences is atmospheric sound. But like, you know, if, if everyone has their mic on, it's the same, it's a, an analogous situation to the cameras where you can hear too much at once, but like clapping and like room noise and stuff, not having that in like a meetup type setting for me has been a very odd adjustment. I don't know if it's been the same for the rest of you. That's yeah. a really great point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I had thought about that. We were actually talking about that, you know, why don't they put into Zoom that when you press the button, you can kind of hear a little bit of laughter, but really low in the background. Like if someone laughed or if someone like have that expression somehow show you, or even through an emoji on the app, if you're like watching and you can kind of see them coming up or something like something that just, kind of, yeah, like you've done the clap there. Right. So that kind of like makes me think, yay, you liked what I said. Right. And it gives me that kind of like, yay, people are paying attention. Yay, Ben's just give me the thumbs up. And I would get so excited. Right. I think we need I that. don't know how to do that. Oh my God. So <laughs> what people don't know is that like literally on the Zoom screen, like they're throwing up emojis and I'm like, oh, wow, you guys are advanced users. My, my team doesn't have meetings. So. <laughs> Apparently there's only two options though. It's a reactions button on the bottom toolbar. Um, I only see clap and thumbs up. Oh, okay. I see it now. Cool. Now I know. Yeah, but I, I didn't know until Tessa did it. And then I was like, hey, there we go. <laughs> I did it. I'm always on top of the latest emoji trends, you know. <laughs> yeah, that does sound like you. <laughs> so have you done any like virtual bars or any of that kind of stuff? No, really. Am I the only one? I have been, I have spent so many nights in virtual bars. I've had like virtual speaker drinks. I've had like, I've had the best time. I've literally like, I mean, it's terrible the next morning because you come into your, like, you know, the office, my office, and, and, and beside your computers, all these beers lined up, right? <laughs> <laughs> but the great thing is you actually only have to, like, fall into the bed, which is, like, in the room next door. So that's kind of cool. There's no, like, getting a taxi or, you know, strolling home. We had, like, at Magnolia JS, we had a good few. We had a speaker party, and then we had, like, we got all the guests to kind of, like, join us. And it was true Zoom. And we basically had the DJ system going so people could, like, choose a song and put more music on. We like kind of like danced a little bit, which is kind of fun. And then we like lowered it down a little bit and we kind of spoke a little bit more. And then we changed our background. So it like looked as if we were in a different place, like a more relaxed place. And we we're constantly changing our background. So it felt like we were going to a different atmosphere. It was, it was kind of nice. Nice. So Debbie, as like head of learning, you know, what are you currently working on? What can people kind of look forward to in the next ecosystem? So we started the Nuxt newsletter. If you haven't subscribed to the Nuxt newsletter, you should, because I am responsible for that. And it's amazing, of course. <laughs> so every month we send out a newsletter, which we kind of trying to make it uh, not about us, but about the community. So we're looking every month for websites that people have built with Nuxt. And we found some like really amazing like things that were like, wow, like this has been built with Nuxt. It's really, really cool. And um, it kind of just shows us as well how many people and how many amazing companies are using Nuxt, which is really good. And then we like look for articles that people have written about Nuxt. And there's a lot of really good articles out there as well. So I've been learning a lot. I spent like a couple of days just reading people's articles and testing out what they've, what they've talked about, what they've written about. And it's really, really good fun. And it's nice to kind of like make the people, you know, say, hey, look, you know, you've written this about Nuxt and we want to like put you in that newsletter. We put their photo up there and and their name and everyone can see them. And I think it's kind of nice. I like it. Yeah, subscribe to the newsletter if you haven't already. It's on the, um, on the website. Go to the homepage, scroll down, and you'll see it, put in your email. And then if you don't like it, you just unsubscribe, right? But you're going to love it. And then we always put like the, the next release, what we've just released and stuff and any other news. So we'll put the podcast on it as well in the next newsletter. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, let you know when it's publishing so you can coordinate the newsletter with the episode publishing. And then like I'm revamping all the documentation. So trying to make the documentation easier, easier to use and better to understand and have like more code examples and more videos. And just like for anyone to come to Nooks that's never used Nooks before. So Ari, you're going to basically like have like a new documentation and you're just going to go, wow, Nooks is so easy. I can do all this at Nooks. It's amazing. So that's part of my job is to like, you know, work on that. And we're going to like, 
it's going to be a couple of months work, right? Because there's a lot of work to do in that. And then work on a lot of integrations with like Nuxton WordPress, Nuxton Netlify, Nuxton Strapi, Nuxton whatever CMS, anything to do with Nuxton, just kind of like keep building as much stuff as possible and then have like all these like demo repos that people can go to and then learn from and use and play around with. So I'm just going to have so much fun and Nuxtify the world is the mission. So basically talk about Nuxt in every possible way. Very exciting. There should be a conference called Nuxtify. <laughs> I think we should have the next conference. I really think, I mean, Hasura have just started doing a Hasura conference and I thought, wow, that is such a cool idea. So, so yeah, watch this state. I would, I would attend. That would be awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, Debbie, where can people find you on the internet? I would kind of say like everywhere because I seem to be everywhere right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, like I'm quite active on Twitter and then I have like Dev2. So I've been writing a lot, of, a lot of blogs on Dev2. And then you can all see them on like my website as well. If you don't want to go to Dev2, so on Debbie.codes. It's kind of nice and easy to remember, right? Yeah. And um, you can always run into you at the virtual bar, right? Um, yeah, so, like, literally, I should put up a thing and like how to contact you, know, which virtual bar I'm in and where and when. Yes. Then we that can stalk you cool. in virtual <laughs> bars. <laughs> you know, when I first started doing the virtual thing, it was like St. Patrick's Day. It was my first St. Patrick's Day, not being allowed to go to pubs. It was like really horrible. And I, I didn't know what to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a really big thing, right? And I didn't know what to do because it's like, you know, who, who do you call? And my, my family are not like into tech and stuff. So I couldn't like propose anything exciting. And I kind of just like put on Twitter saying I was like going to have a virtual beer. If anyone wants to join me for a St. Patrick's Day celebration, but I kind of messed up Zoom altogether. And I didn't realize you have to let people in. Apparently there were people waiting to get in. And, and then I figured it out and somebody came in and then were, I was so scared. And I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. It was so horrible. And I think it was because like, you're the only one there. And then I saw a message on, um, on Twitter saying someone was in some bar. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going. And I went straight into that bar and it was great. <laughs> I was just going to say, if Simon Pegg reshot The World's End now, it would be so disappointing because he could just hop from virtual bar to virtual bar and get to the end. It's a movie <laughs> about bar hopping and friendship. I was uh, like, wow, that reference went right over my head. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. But yeah, I'm speaking at three conferences this month. And what I'm really excited about, but like by the time this comes out, we'll already have have been finished. But I want to mention it because I think it's really, it's really, I'm really proud to be part of it, which is called Dev Around the Sun. And it's like 24 hours of talks. And basically, yeah, 24 hours of different like countries, different timelines, different everything. And it's all to raise money for like the COVID 19. So for the people who are most affected by it. So every like, sponsorship and every donation that they get is going to go towards those people who've been most affected. So it's really honorable to, to be speaking at that. We might be able to get this out before then, maybe a yeah. day before, but it's possible. Okay. So <laughs> if it's before May 12th, do that. <laughs> yeah. Dev around the sun, 24 hours, no excuses. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, I think with that, why don't we move on to this week's picks? Ari, would you like to start? I will start. Okay, I have one pick this week and I'm about to nerd out pretty hardcore. So I am a huge Fiona Apple fan. She's probably, yeah, no, she's definitely my favorite artist of all time. And for the first time in eight years, she released an album and it is everything I could have ever dreamed of and more. And honestly, it has the right kind of energy for the world right now, sort of like this breaking out of your cage feeling to it. And uh, the album is called Fetch the Bolt Cutters you know, to break out of a cage. Ha ha. <laughs> and I highly recommend it. Even if you've never listened to any of her stuff before, if you are not familiar, if you were alive in the nineties, you may know the song criminal. That was her, but yes, all of her albums are amazing, but this one is especially amazing. So you should listen to it. Fiona Apple, Fetch the bolt cutters. Awesome. Tessa, what do you have for us this week? Well, to no one's surprise, it is another week to recommend this supersized, spectacular binge-a-thon, but this is sadly the final week. So they're airing season seven and eight right now on USA Network. Also, Debbie's story about the virtual escape rooms reminded me of, there was this sitcom on TV, I don't remember what channel, called Just Shoot Me with David Spade and I can't remember her name, but a very funny... Wendy something? Maybe? 
Yeah. Um, but they had an episode that was supposed to be about one of those like murder mystery games. But then they think that they actually kill a person and it's very funny. I think they all also accidentally took drugs in that episode. So they were just very, very paranoid and anxious the whole time. But I'm making it sound terrible. It's fun. <laughs> also, I recently tried Final Cut Pro 10. I was a bit disappointed because they heard the rendering was supposed to be really fast and it wasn't for me, but they added this new feature where you can go through a clip and mark which parts of the videos you want to keep. And then you can see just those parts without ever actually having to do any cuts or edits. So I thought that that's a really convenient feature and they have a 90-day trial now. So I recommend checking that out. And then finally, speaking of cuts, I mentioned earlier making the cut on Amazon Prime. I've been watching it. A friend of mine got into it. And uh, yeah, if Sander doesn't win, I'll be very sad. You should all check it out. Sounds great. So Debbie, what picks do you have for us this week? Okay, so I'm going to start with something dev-related. And I'm going to mention Tim Benix. I don't know if you know him, but Tim Benix is um, in The View and Next World. as he's speaking at a lot of conferences as well. And Tim has set up a YouTube channel called Tim Benix. And basically, he's been interviewing a lot of people. So he actually interviewed me about how I got my job at Nuxt. So if you want to hear that, that's in one of his interviews. And he's also interviewed other Viewcore team members. And it's actually just really, really good. He's doing a lot of really good, cool community work. And they're really fun, interesting, just like watching and getting an insight into people's lives, especially like us developers. So it's, it's really good fun. <laughs> and Ari's laughing and I'd love to know why. <laughs> There's a note in our Notion document um, saying waiting to see Ben spell, spell tips last day. <laughs> Sorry, that got me because I, I, was, I was just thinking, like, I literally was scrolling to see how to spell it. So if you could spell his name for us. <laughs> so it's T-I-M-B-E-N-N-I-K-S. Tim Benix. YouTube channel. <laughs> okay. And the other thing is, it's a book I read, right? This is really, really cool. It's called Surrounded by Idiots. And sometimes you just feel like everyone else around you is an idiot, right? They're just not doing what you want them to do, right? And it gets really frustrating. And you just think like, not that you're clever, but just that everyone else is an idiot. And the book is really, really good because it kind of like, it teaches you that really that they're not actually idiots, that just like you're maybe the kind of person that expects too much of other people. And it teaches you a lot about them, but it teaches a lot about yourself. And it helps you then understand people a lot better. So I really recommend it for if anyone's like working with, with people who are having to lead a team. So before I used to lead a team and it was really, really you know, difficult sometimes with like different kind of characters and surrounded by idiots. Great book. It's kind of quite funny as well. You laugh at yourself and you go, oh my God, that's me. I do that. I don't, I, I, that is me. No wonder they don't like me. I <laughs> know. And then on TV, have you, like, do you get in America? Have you watched it? Is it really popular? The series called Money Heist? It's it not very popular here. Yeah. But okay, yeah, so I think I've only heard like one other person talk about it. <laughs> but it's on Netflix, right? It's originally, it's Spanish. So it's called La Casa de Papel. So yeah, it's a really good series where it's a really funny story because it's, they originally put it on the Spanish television network, right? And it, nobody really watched it. So it was just like a disaster series and Netflix bought it, but like just to put it in their catalog, just as like something there, right? And as soon as it went into Netflix, it just went viral. Like the whole world started watching it. It just went, it, it's, it's incredible. So not just in Spain, but in France, in South America, in Asia, like it went to so many countries. So it has to be in America as well, but maybe it's not as popular. I don't know if it's dubbed because like, obviously I watch it in Spanish and you might have to watch it like dubbed. I don't know if they, if it's just with subtitles. I've never seen it in the other language, right? But it's, it's so much fun because it's about like this group of people who get together to like, you know, rob money from a bank. But it's like after watching so many series of it, you kind of like almost fall in love with them. And you're kind of like just all of the criminals and you're kind of thinking like, oh, they should just go to jail. You're like, no, don't know. They're so nice. They're like, you're <laughs> sweet criminals. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if I was a criminal, I wouldn't be one like them. <laughs> good life goals. Like the guy Hazel from uh, Umbrella Academy. He was so nice. I was like, I don't want them to kill him. <laughs> all right. My picks. Perfect. So I have two picks. Thankfully, it looks like this week no one's decided to troll me. So thank you. <laughs> and so, yeah, my first pick is homemade bagels. And, okay, uh, Britta. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. I did that specifically for Ari. <laughs> 
in case, yeah, there's, there's a character on Community that basically pronounced bagels, bagels. So I did that specifically for her. That was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> but in all seriousness, made homemade bagels at home. And they were actually like, it's not as hard as people think it is, actually. Like, I understand it might not be as good as authentic New York ones, but it was surprised, like, for the amount of effort and like the result, I was actually pleasantly surprised. So if you ever want to try making homemade bagels, totally recommend it. Wasn't I mean, the really most challenging bad. part is importing our water to wherever you live, right? So <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Without the New York water, I mean, I, I got I got a guy for that, so it's all good. Wait, are you going to at least provide some recipes, or are you just going to leave us? Yeah, I, sorry. Yes, in in the okay. show notes, I'll include the recipe that I tried. Okay. So the other pick that I have is a movie that my brother recommended me called The Big Short, and so it's a movie that has a lot of like big names like Christian Bale, Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling. Yes. Yeah, the last name, right? Nope. Yeah, I believe I had that right. Nope. Was he in there? Right. I don't, I don't think he was. It's been a few years, but I don't yes, remember. 100%. Yes, 100%. <laughs> okay. Nope, I'm good now. Yeah, so there's a lot of big names in that. And so it was basically about the economic like real estate crash that happened in 2008. And just like a phenomenal depiction. Like Usually with these kind of movies, I don't tend to recommend them because they're usually really inaccurate, historically speaking. But this one just was a spot on with sort of not only what happened, but then just taking like really complicated like financial terms and then just like breaking it down in a way that was like, oh, anyone could understand that. So if you haven't watched that one, looking for just like a real like head turner, that was, that was phenomenally well done. So I that will is, second that because yeah. I know nothing about, about financial stuff, but I understood what was happening. <laughs> yeah, same. Weren't you yeah. saying the other day that someone graded the financial accuracy of this movie? It was like historical accuracy. I think they went through like, there's like a critic that tends to go to movies and I think it was on the, if we look on the Wikipedia page, it was like, it's supposed to be 91.4% accurate or something like that. So again, obviously they take some liberties because it is a film, but like compared to like what most films do, like it was just so good. I was very, very impressed. Yeah. And so with that, I think that's it for today's episode. Thanks everybody for listening. Something before we close, because I, I think this has to be yes. set, right? Because the oh, audience, yes. the viewers are not going to see this, but I actually think it's really cool how how Ben is like, you know, got the dark look going on there and Ari's got her headset matching her pink top, which is kind of really <laughs> cool. And it's like, they've done this on purpose. They've dressed their headphones with their clothes. <laughs> really oh my cool. gosh. It was not intentional, I swear. <laughs> We've been playing way too much Animal Crossing, clearly. <laughs> yeah, that is possible. That is, yeah. <laughs> and yet you gave Debbie such a hard time for being on an island. Yeah. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with that, thanks everybody for listening. And until next time, enjoy the view. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode. With 11 data centers worldwide, including their newest data center in Sydney, Australia, enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible storage option, and their next-generation network, Linode delivers the performance you expect at a price that you don't. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com slash V.